What's up, y'all? My name's Kristen. My name is Sarah. And welcome to the Red Rum and Red Wine Podcast. I'm like, images in the camera may not have as red of eyes as they appear. <laughs> Your eyes what? don't look red to me. They uh, are low. <laughs> um, I mean, I my in other news, my light is red, so I might look fully red to you. Like, my eyes are definitely at 25%. They're a little <laughs> bit low, my friend, but that is nothing to complain about with, uh, especially... <laughs> When you find out what we're talking about today, but... I'm not ready. No, no. No, and I would just like to say sorry and thank you to our listeners. Um, Just, uh, you know, our episodes this week are going to be out later than the norm. And, you know, life, depression, just trying to do things sucks sometimes Mm -hmm. (laughs) even things you love it just it's hard it's um so here we are but we're here Kristen, are you ready for the fucked upness of today's episode no but oh yeah let's go here we go once we lay our loved ones to rest We always hope and pray and expect that they rest in peace forever. Okay. But sometimes, unfortunately, that is not always the case. Today, I will be talking about Anatoly Moscovin and his doll collection. No, I see why you think that you did this case because i know which one you're talking about and no we haven't done it yet but yes in the 2000s families in nizhny novgorod novgorod russia began to notice that the grave sites of their loved ones had been desecrated nizhny novgorod is adjacent to moscow one of the families of Nizhny Novgorod, Natalie and Igor Chardimova, were forced to say goodbye to and, and bury their young 10-year-old daughter far too soon. Damn. No parent should ever experience that. 10-year-old Olga was finally allowed to walk to her grandmother's place to her home alone for the first time. Apparently on this day, she told her parents, quote, I'm 10 already. I can go myself, end quote. After Natalie and Igor left for work that day, Olga grabbed her favorite green bag and her favorite blue umbrella and began to leave for her grandmother's which was only on the next block. <gasps> Olga apparently never made it out of her building because um, I'm pretty sure they lived in like a complex of some sort. Yeah, it gets fucking cold over yeah. there. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, like, yeah, 
Well, no, I mean, like, they have houses and stuff, but it's, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Efficiently, the buildings Whatever. make more sense. Anyways, we're sorry, anyways. we're not from there. <laughs> Olga apparently never made it out of her building before a drug addict robbed her of her things and hit her in the head with a metal rod or bar of some sort. Oh my god. Killing her. But, uh, what was the, like, all you need to do is rob her. She's 10 years old. She's not gonna fucking, like, oh my god. Yeah, I know. I think or, um, like, it's said that the killing ultimately came because she was trying to resist. <sighs> She's 10. Like, it's not, oh my god. It's said that Olga's body wouldn't be found for five months, which was until she was discovered wedged behind some pipes in the attic of her apartment building or complex building or whatever. Oh my god. Wow. (laughs) Olga Chardimova was buried in October of 2002. And Kristen, I've included two photos of her. So the one with her and the cat, I'm not sure when that was taken, but the photo of her standing with her blue umbrella, which was the one she, like, embarked with the day she was killed, Mm -hmm. that was taken two months before she was murdered. Oh, my God. And she looks so young. Oh, my God. She was, yeah. Like I said, no family should ever go through that. Um, It's just a sort of travesty that is, you can only explain it if you've been through it. And it's unfortunate if you have been through it. But on top of the grief that the Chardimovas had already experienced with their daughter Olga's tragic murder... Uh, they would unfortunately experience more unbeknownst to them at the time. Natalia and Igor would add a metal fence around Olga's grave and begin painting it in 2003. So like I said, Olga was buried in 2002 and her parents would eventually take, you know, the fine, the, the steps to like really create their daughter's grave to be like i don't know a safe one and beautiful one Mm -hmm. but it takes time and money to do that so natalia and igor would add a metal fence around olga's grave and begin painting it in 2003 So I'm not sure, like, you know, when they added the fence, but whatever. They began painting it in 2003, and apparently the day after they began painting it, so they returned the next day to finish painting the fence around their daughter's grave, they noticed that a wreath on Olga's grave had been moved. And they had this really weird gut feeling that someone else had been to Olga's grave. Yeah. I'm sorry. That just gives me... Because why else would it be moved? Mm. And it's it's just... They just... They knew that someone else had been there. And that just is, is... 
ugh. And you'll see later on. It just is really, like, it's creepy. Natalia and Igor would continue to visit Olga's grave. But after they noticed that the uh, wreath had been moved from the headstone, they every visit after that, they kind of noticed things getting weirder and weirder. Mm-hmm. Notes actually started popping up. Okay, At no. Olga's grave, yeah. So these notes were handwritten and addressed to actually Olga herself as if she were still alive. And these notes weren't addressed to Olga in name. They were actually calling Olga Little Lady. So, like, dear little lady or hello little lady, whatever. Hello little child because she's fucking 10 years old and she's not a lady. She's a goddamn child. Mm. Notes would be left on holidays, special occasions, special events. And like I said, they're written as if Olga was still alive. One note apparently said, quote, happy last month of your sixth year at school, end quote. Each note was also signed with the initials D-A, and the handwriting appeared to be written the same across the board throughout each note, so that gave the impression that the same one person was writing and leaving the notes, or at least writing them, I guess. Along Mm. with the notes, various items such as flowers, toys, and stuffed animals were left on Olga's grave. Some of the stuffed animals and flowers (laughs) were stolen off of other graves. So... You can't even buy me a toy? At uh, some point, I believe in 2003, Natalia and Igor were able to purchase a proper headstone for their daughter's grave. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, after this, more threatening notes and messages started to appear on Olga's new and beautiful headstone. But this time, these notes would be addressed not to Olga or a.k.a. the little lady. They'd be addressed to her parents. One of the notes would say, If you don't erect a great monument which she deserves, we will dig her body out. End quote. Because they didn't like the headstone that the parents had given her? Well, we're not sure. Eventually, the torment and desecration got so bad because when one day Natalia and Igor showed up to Olga's grave, they see that the headstone that they had just gotten was completely destroyed. (gasps) The gravesite was a mess. Oh my god. This was the last straw. 
Yeah, that's so, exp- those things yeah. are expensive. Yeah, I mean, it took them a few years to even be able to purchase their daughter a proper headstone. Yeah, people like, don't realize fuck? how expensive dying is. Yeah, how it is, and like how like I little... literally just I had to, I had to arrange my own brother's arrangements this year. And I learned firsthand. And no one fucking helps you. And there's no, like... Well, I did have a very nice lady who helped me, actually. But I mean, like, financially, the government don't help you. No. 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 Because I could have had the tribe pay for it. But to do that, I had to fucking fill out forms and talk to people on the phone. It was fucking insane no <laughs> my introverted self never me no sir at this point olga's grieving parents would definitely notify police because i'm not sure how much time had passed since the first desecration of their daughter's grave but i believe it had been some time and so you know the the fucking absolute destruction of their daughter's headstone was the last straw. Olga's grieving parents would notify police, and I do believe it's around the year of 2009, because when they go to police, they find out they're actually not the only family to be experiencing this kind of torment um, upon their family members' graves. So, Natalie, or Natalia, I'm sorry, Natalia Tratimova, Olga's mother, told reporters, quote, We shivered in fear each time we went to the grave, not knowing what to expect. Imagine what it was like for us, her grieving parents, reading these notes about our murdered daughter. It was not at all like some sick joke, but a spear through our hearts end quote yeah it's enough to be grieving the death of your own child and then to be basically stalked and tormented yeah taunted tormented stalked it's um, getting over the grief is hard enough to have like this extra layer grief and and you have no idea who it is and it's starting to get i mean like you go in a little bit into what it says i in the notes but i can just imagine like hmm. over the next several months police would receive about 12 additional reports of their of grave sites being vandalized or desecrated police were being called out to more and more cemeteries to you know look at these desecrated sites All the while, the notes, random objects such as toys, kept appearing at Olga's grave. Okay, but no one thought to, like, set up a camera? I don't know, dude. I I had a lot of these thoughts running through my mind. Because I'm like, okay, we at least have, like, a... I'm... Oh... But I'm like, they at least have, have video no cameras. Yeah. But this place is like, it seems, 
it's it's not a metropolis. It's yeah. It's a smaller town outside of Moscow. I don't think it's a super small town, but I have no idea. This is yeah. Russia. I have no idea. Yeah. We could say what if all day long. Because but it is more recent. Like when I get down to it, it is really and like more the technology is think. there. So, but you when you think. look at fucking footage, it's like holy shit. Are we in like two thousand two? I do. I do be forgetting because how fucking I do. Blurry. I have a fucking video link for you, girlfriend, and oh. you are gonna fucking love it or hate it. I forget how. F- terrible like even though we had technology it was fucking terrible back then yeah that makes sense so even if potentially you did get video yeah it doesn't mean it's gonna but it, be but even like what we know about technology in what well, you know 2003 to 2010 it's still different than russia russia yeah i have no idea literally no idea and that's why part of my story, when I get down to it a little later, is a little skewed, is because what Russia reports is what we have to go on, and what they report is varied. So, makes sense. I'll get back to that, though. Mm-hmm. Over the next several months, police would receive about 12 additional reports of grave sites being vandalized. Police, police were being called out to more and more cemeteries to be, you know, having a look at vandalized graves. All the while, the notes and as, as well as random objects and toys were appearing at Olga's grave. Fucking weird, man. Apparently, there was a metal cross that was at Olga's grave, but when her parents would show up, you know, to visit, it would be bent a lot of the times. Unfortunately, the police didn't have a lot to go off of, but there was one great significance or common denominator about the grave sites that were being vandalized or desecrated. They all belonged to young girls ranging from ages like three <gasps> to like in their young 20s. I read varied reports like 3 to 15 or like 3 to 30, but. Ew. Yeah. Not that any age is excusable, but I don't know extra ick factor detectives and investigators initially thought that an extremist group of some sort was responsible for the you know desecration and vandalism of these young girls graves Mm -hmm. there was actually a special detective or investigative unit um, or task force of some sort that specifically worked on cases involving groups of extremists. So there was a specific group involved in, you know, investigating these crimes. Were the other families whose graves were getting desecrated, were they also getting letters? 
I'm not sure. So, unfortunately, I was only able, and, like, in the shows I watched, the mm-hmm. re- online resources, articles, whatever, only included the case of Olga. Yeah. And so, um, as I'll mention, there are many more. Yeah. Aside from her. Because I'm just thinking that if they at least had letters from the other grave sites, then they could then try and, uh, like, compare the handwriting and see if it's at least coming from the same person. Right. So, um... Around the time when Olga's parents complained to police, they were getting other reports of similar incidences. Mm-hmm. And I imagine they compared the notes that Olga's parents received. I I don't know if the other parents got notes. Yeah. But the notes that Olga's parents received, the handwriting was consistent yeah. throughout all of them. So we know that was the same person. Mm-hmm. And so we could imagine that it it could possibly be the same yeah. for the other victims. But we can't say for sure because this is a case from Russia. Everything has been translated from Russian articles and documents. And that is why, um, I don't know, some of it is fuzzy. So. Mm-hmm. It's a little fuzzy in between. The investigative unit that focused on extremist groups were thinking specifically like, you know, a darker spirited type of cult could have done this. Mm. It was said that cults or maybe other sorts of extremist groups would do rituals at grave sites and even sometimes would include the corpse as a part of their ritual. Unfortunately, police wouldn't really have anything to go off of um, besides, you know, the notes, I guess, and what they knew about the graves already. Mm-hmm. Until 2011. Damn. But see, this is where the case and the reports of things from Russia get a little fuzzy. Somehow, detectives get led to a man around 45 years old named Anatoly Moskovin. Who is Anatoly Moskvin, you may ask? He was born in Soviet Russia in 1966 to parents Yuri and Elvira. It was clear from a young age that Anatoly was intelligent, although he struggled socially. Mm -hmm. A weird change or shift would happen in Anatoly's behavior when he was only in the third grade. He came home from school one day covered in bruises, which he apparently received from being raped. 
by an unknown man. Damn. After this, Anatoly's behavior and attitude became way more angry and aggressive. I mean, understandably. Damn. Although he did remain academically successful and he, like, stayed the top of his class throughout his, like, whole life. So, he was bullied and ostracized, and this resulted in Anatoly burying himself in his books. Any kind of spending money he received, he spent on books. He actually taught himself how to speak 13 different languages, and this was by the time he was an adult, so... Oh my god. I can barely, I don't yeah, even know like, Spanish. I can barely speak English. <laughs> I know, I get fucking English wrong all the time. Are you don't even. kidding me? Oh my god, wow, that's a lot. That's actually a lot, a lot. Although him being raped in the third grade was a significant and tragic incident, Something else happened in 1979 when Anatoly was just about 12 Mm -hmm. that really caused a shift and sparked his interest in, like, dead people, cemeteries, Mm. and the occult. When Anatoly was about 12, he was walking home from school When a group of men dressed in black suits stopped him, the men were, uh, you know, apparently on their way to the funeral of 11-year-old Natasha Petrova. Natasha had died instantly when she was getting out of the bathtub and reaching for a towel when instead she made contact with an exposed electrical wire, instantly electrocuting her to death. The group of men on the way to Natasha's funeral somehow convinced Anatoly into coming with them. And I did read reports that there was mentions or maybe like some force used aka maybe a little kidnapping yeah but i am not completely sure on that somehow some way anatoly makes his way to the funeral of natasha with this group of men when they get to natasha's funeral the men along with natasha's parents were telling and pressuring Anatoly to kiss Natasha, the deceased girl, in her open casket. Kind of freaked out, Anatoly would refuse and ask to leave. But Natasha's parents would insist that he kissed Why the girl. Why are her parents insisting? That's fucking weird. That's fucking weird. They would not let him leave until he kissed their daughter. That's really messed. Like, I want to feel bad, 
but then I know what he ends up doing, so I don't feel as bad, but at the same time, like, the child of that, well, like... I don't know. Just, I mean, obviously I agree with you, but this is... <laughs> like, I don't want to say anything, because I'll ruin it. He needed therapy. Oh, my God. Natasha's mom, the mom of the deceased girl would apparently hand Anatoly an apple some kind of fancy strain of apple and say something like oh well here's an apple if you do this there's more where this came from type of thing obviously don't quote me on that (sighs) the woman would walk with Anatoly up to her daughter's casket And watch as he kissed her three times on the forehead. Natasha's mom would then put a ring on Anatoly's ring finger. And then one on her daughter's Natasha's ring finger. Anatoly was given a basket of fruit for his troubles. And was free to leave. But not before being told... Not to tell anybody what happened that day for 40 days. Oh my god, why 40 days? Exactly. I'm like, okay, I get if you do something sketchy and you don't want anybody to know. But that's usually like, don't tell anybody ever. Ever. To give somebody a timeline specifically 40 days. I'm like, why actually are you saying that? Because, yeah, my words would have been forever. I actually don't ever want you to speaking of that. That's creepy. What the fuck, mom and dad? That's fucking weird. Mm. For 40 days. And again, he didn't know these people. So he was given this basket of fruit. He fucking was... He was able to leave. He apparently threw the basket of fruit into the snow and, like, made his way home. But... (sighs) He didn't even keep the fucking fruit. (laughs) Who knows, young boy, what's going through his mind. But this experience with Anatoly and our precious deceased Natasha uh, would kind of, it's rumored or said possibly to be the reason of the the spark of his interest in the dead and the occult. Yeah, that makes sense. So makes sense. Um, his his this experience within him having being forced to kiss this dead girl could be compared to a brief run in with necrophilia. I mean, kissing a loved family member at their funeral in their casket, you know, that's it's not it's not necrophilia. Yeah. But uh, it is said that this experience with Anatoly could be compared because that's not what he was doing. So. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it seems like he was involuntarily involved in some kind of ritual. Yeah. But that's not for me to decide, okay? Or is it? 
<laughs> I don't, I'm like, I don't want to like fucking have y'all sue me for deciding that this shit happened when it didn't. Layers. There are layers. Anatoly would pretty much keep his deep, dark, secret obsessions about the dead and stuff to himself for the majority of his life, actually. So he would go on and graduate from Moscow State University, and he became really well-known throughout academic circles. Mm-hmm. His specific academic interests involved, um, I might add, on the surface, uh, Celtic history and folklore, but more under the surface, it was like more death and the occult. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anatoly, as I mentioned, spoke 13 different languages that he taught himself. He taught at the college level, so he was a professor. And he regularly contributed to local newspapers and other, like, academic affairs. His professional life was seemingly successful as fuck. Like, hell yeah, dude. But his personal life, not so much. Not even in the slightest bit of successful. Unfortunately, I mean, it sucks, but... Anatoly was described or is described as a loner and a hermit. He never married and never dated anybody. He lived with his parents... Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Unless you're a 45-year-old man who also abstained from drinking and having sex. Yeah, at least the drinking. I mean, you gotta have one or the other. Well, maybe nothing's wrong with that, depending on, on your religion and your beliefs. But, uh, this wasn't part of his you know, beliefs and stuff. So it mm-hmm. layers. So Anatoly abstaining from sex, it was said to be a virgin, which is okay. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. In 2003, Anatoly would actually meet a woman who he grew to love and adore so much as so that they wanted to be in a relationship together. Hmm. Yulia was very spiritual, like in a religious sense, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so when they entered this relationship, it was agreed that it would be non-sexual. Mm-hmm. This relationship satisfied Anatoly's social needs while while maintaining his celibacy. I, you know, and I don't know why he was wanting to maintain celibacy, but he was, he did. He Mm -hmm. wanted to. So this relationship satisfied him. 
because he was getting his social needs while not having sex. And this relationship was also satisfying Yulia because it was actually her idea in the first place to have this non-sexual relationship. Nice. Yeah. However, Yulia wanted children. Well, there's the problem. Mm-hmm. But actually, Anatoly wanted children, too. He totally agreed. They were on hmm. the same page. Like, Okay, so they were going to have we sex. We want children. But we don't want to have sex. But you have... Okay, so you adopt. Exactly. Okay, yeah. Moscovin would apply to adopt a little girl in 2003... Which Damn. would be the same year that him and Yulia started dating. So they were both more just kind of like, it's more of an asexual feel, not an overly Yeah, religious. I mean, I don't want to ever put feelings or words into their mouths. I don't know why they wanted to stay celibate. But That's I mean, just typically the agreement like, they had, you know? If you're religious, it's like because you want to get married or whatnot. This just more so seems like they just don't want to have sex. They just, I think, are well, both. Well, no, as- because once you find out who, like, and what kind of person maybe Anatoly is, maybe Yulia caught on and it was like, hmm, hmm, okay. Because okay. all of, like, them starting dating trying to adopt a child and stuff all happened within the same year, apparently. (gasps) Staying true to their non-sexual relationship, Anatoly sends in an application to adopt a little girl in 2003. His application would be rejected or denied Due to his lack of financial stability. Hmm. Um, maybe something probably about not being married as well, but I'm not completely sure on that. Most sources reported that it was because of his financials. Because his financials, his income was very sporadic. He was barely supporting himself and... He was basically living paycheck to paycheck, supporting himself. And maybe also his parents because he lived with his parents, so. Yeah. Hmm. Anatoly's parents actually did not support the idea of him wanting to adopt a child. And it's said that this actually caused rift or tension in the family. I mean, the grandparents don't want to be taking care of that kid. Understandable. It's just another person in the household, I guess. I think not being able to adopt also caused tension or rift in Anatoly's relationship with Yulia because Mm -hmm. that relationship quickly dissolved. Basically... After them not being able to adopt. So. They shouldn't have really like adopted in the first place anyways. Yeah. Some may say this breakup and not being able to adopt a child carried with Anatoly. And this was be the beginning of a downward spiral. Mm. 
Anatoly would spend the next several years working within his interests, or his particular interests. He was a self-proclaimed cemetery specialist, dubbing himself a necropolist. Ew. Yeah, because necropolis means, like, cemetery, but he called himself a necropolist. Mm. He claimed to know cemeteries better than anyone else, like, ever. Anatoly was eventually hired by somebody to summarize and list the deceased across a or the specific region. And this led him to travel extensively across Russia from cemetery to cemetery, specifically to about 772 cemeteries in two years, between 2005 and 2007. When he traveled across cemeteries for the few years, he did this on foot, walking up to 20 miles per day or more or less, who knows, who cares, This led him to sleep in haystacks, abandoned barns, and even went as far as sleeping in a coffin that was being prepared for a funeral the next day. Must be nice to be a fucking man. Right? Anatoly would take extensive notes about his extensive travels throughout these cemeteries you know, alongside from logging and making his lists for work. But he would also release a documentary series about his travels across cemetery to cemetery and his walks throughout these cemeteries. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to give you Anatoly Moscovin's background before going into the different ways or storylines that it's been said he was captured and maybe fill in some holes. Not because I want you guys to assume what happened, but according to Russian reports, Russian police, Russian police never exactly released what happened and how they captured Anatoly Moscovin. Mm-hmm. So Russian reports on top of that released varied information and different stories on how he was captured. Mm-hmm. So translated to American, <laughs> <laughs> we don't really know exactly what happened because I mean I mean, going back to the source, police never released how Anatoly was captured. So not even the Russians would know. So not even the Russian Russian media media was telling the correct story. So that being translated to us is completely fucked. Mm -hmm. And so this is where it gets really fuzzy. And I'm so sorry, but I am going to mention the different... I don't want to call them theories, but maybe just like the disparities or disparities, mm-hmm. just the the different thoughts or ideas of how Anatoly was caught. Got it. Apparently, there was a big break in 2011 
after a terrorist attack was committed at a Moscow airport. Mm. And after this terrorist attack was committed, Muslim graves started to get vandalized within the area or within the area. (laughs) (laughs) Understandable. The photos on Muslim headstones were actually being painted over by somebody. And compared to the other vandalism on the young girl's headstones, it kind of was very different. The vandalism on the headstones belonging to the Muslim people, the photos were just being painted over. Hmm. If there were any photos at all on the headstones, no other kind of destruction or vandalism was committed. Um, as it's not any better, but, you know, it's no. still fucked up. But it was just the photos being painted over. Russian newspapers would also report that Anatoly was literally caught in the act carrying a bag of bones but i'm pretty sure that's not true damn but the most interesting theory or storyline to me is that the russian police or detectives had their perpetrator under their nose the entire time and didn't realize it because I watched a show or a an episode, documentary, whatever, on this case. I don't remember the name, but we'll link it. But in the episode I watched, detectives actually asked for the help of this so-called cemetery specialist, Anatoly Moskvin. Oh, shit. They asked him for help on their cases about the graves being desecrated. And literally they like... Little did they know. Yeah. And little did they know, like, they fucking went to fucking Anatoly's house and boom. Shit was over. Damn. And Kristen, this is where I am going to send you a video. So, the first thing, Kristen, you may have noticed, was that Anatoly was a complete pack rat. The apartment in which he lived with his parents was completely cluttered and hoarded of mostly, like, documents and books and random shit Uh, and this was probably mostly due to the large collection of educational documents and whatever he had Um, it was said that Anatoly had about 60 a book collection of 60,000 because he collected he started he was like burying himself in books from a young age And I guess he just kept all of them. (laughs) So, aside from noticing all of the clutter and stuff, investigators would 
immediately noticed something else that was a little off in Anatoly's apartment, which was several life-size dolls placed. Yeah, that's what I was noticing. Around the apartment. When they put two and two together, though, um, investigators kind of realize that, like, something more sinister was going on. Two and two as being the life-size dolls plus the horrible stench Mm. that was coming from the apartment. Two and two equaled dead people. Around the apartment was scattered doll-making materials and bombing instructions and maps of local cemeteries. Shoes also found in Anatoly's apartment or home matched footprints found at desecrated grave sites. So he was, at this point, very guilty. But what was continued to be found in his home, like, um, it, it, I'm going to talk more about the doll collection now. Um, and this is where I get a little uncomfortable. They are dolls. They are mummies. But they are real life human people. The mummified girls were positioned around Anatoly's home. Placed in chairs or on couches or wherever. They were around, placed around tables. They would be positioned, you know, with their legs crossed or with their arms or hands in certain positions. Many of the clothes that the mummies or dolls were wearing were the ones that they were buried in. Mm. But he would, you know, if they weren't, if their clothes weren't as intact, Anatoly would dress them further in usually bright colored clothing um, along with like putting stockings on them and shoes that they weren't wearing any already. The girls' faces would be covered or masked in some way. Some were wearing actual masks. One of the corpses was has a literal stuffed animal like teddy bear face on um and then others actually look they have like they have porcelain doll faces on so investigators would later find music boxes and or toys inside some of the bodies of the deceased girls And apparently, according to Anatoly, this was so that they could produce sounds when he touched or moved them. That's unnecessary. And some of the mummies, there were personal belongings and clothing. One mummy had a piece of her own gravestone with her name on it in her body. Moscovin's process included going out to cemeteries at night and body-snatching young girls. Mm. He brought 
then back to his home to perform his fucking sick procedure of embalming and whatever doll making process he sought as fit. He would insert buttons or toy eyes onto the girl's eye sockets so that it would look like they were, you know, looking back at him. Or it's also said that it was so that he could watch cartoons with them. Anatoly would have tea parties with his dolls slash corpses slash young girl human beings. It was clear that Anatoly had a fixation with young girls, but not a sexual one. And I know you guys are probably wondering that. Um, apparently, his fixation with young girls was not at all sexual. It's not like you're wanting a granddaughter. <sighs> I mean, you want a friend? So with Why are you picking excu- this particular yeah, his age group ex- as a friend? His excuse is that he had always wanted children. And this is his way is, of growing his family. But why would you just pick girls? I know. And that was, like, weird to me, too. Because... Like, I don't know. There's... If you're not doing anything sexual, okay. But, like... You can't tell me that you don't get some gratification out of that. Oh, of course. And I'm like, like, you're having tea parties. I'm like, there's no necrophilia involved. I'm like, okay, I'm sure. Because I'm sure you're giving them kisses. And like, it's weird. It's It's weird. I don't know. Obviously, I'm not an expert. But still, it's weird. But still, it's weird. Okay. Apparently, this was Anatoly's sick attempt to bringing these girls back to life to form his own sort of family. Okay. In all, authorities discovered 26 to 29 life-size dolls in Moscovin's apartment. And I say 26 to 29 because... To be honest, I read either 26 or 29, so I'm not completely sure. Yeesh. But either or, it's a lot. Way too much. It's not okay. Oh God, so. Jesus. The ages of these corpses or dolls ranged from the age of 3 to 25. Oh. One corpse... Anatoly had kept for nearly nine years. May 2012, in court, Moskvin confessed to 44 counts of abusing graves and dead bodies. He would say to the parents, like in court, to the young girls that he had mummified and kept in his home, quote, You abandoned your girls in the cold. And I brought them home and warmed them up. End quote. No, you did not. No, you did not. When asked why he exhumed and mummified the bodies of young girls, he stated, quote, I am waiting for science to find a way for these girls to live again. Dot, dot, dot. I wanted to be an expert in making mummies. Dot, dot, dot. 
I wanted to communicate with these girls. I lay on the grave and tried to get in touch with her. I listened to what she said. Often they asked me to take them out for a walk. <laughs> no. Oh my god. It's not okay. Anatoly was declared unfit to stand trial, but he was charged with a dozen crimes, all of which dealt with the desecration of graves. Anatoly Moskvin was diagnosed with schizophrenia and sentenced to serve his time in a psychiatric ward following his sentencing, so he didn't, like, go to jail. He went to a psychiatric ward. Mm-hmm. And as of 2019, he is still receiving treatment in a place where they don't let you play with dolls. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's kind of creepy. I know. And just in closing a little bit, so on October 5th, 2012, nearly 10 years, like, Almost exactly 10 years to the day Olga was buried, police gained approval to exhume her grave to just confirm, I guess, that Olga may or may not have been a victim. Yeah. Olga's parents and investigators were devastated to find Olga's grave, her coffin, empty. No. It wasn't just empty, but there was, like, a a hole in her coffin that she was just, like, pulled out of. Oh, my God. Like, someone didn't just pry her coffin open to steal her bones out of or whatever. And coffins are not cheap. They literally just instead, like... Put a hole in it and pulled her out of it. I can't imagine. That's so the fucking uh-huh. the disrespect. I'm surprised that this guy didn't have like the fucking poltergeist living in his home with all of the corpses that he disrupted and disrespected like that. Anatoly's notes would corroborate the fact that Olga had been removed from her grave in May 2003. When her parents first suspected that someone else had visited her gravesite, like when that wreath had been moved or something like that. Mm. And this possibly suggests, or I think like definitely suggests, that Olga was in fact the quote-unquote doll that Anatoly had for like nine years. Yeah. Because if, uh, it's so sad, like, if it if it's corroborated that she was grave robbed at, in 2003 and then it wasn't found until 2011 or 2012, yeah. it's so sad. Because he never got rid of any bodies, did he? No, he literally kept them as a mm. collection. This was his way of... Having his own family or children, and it's fucking sick. Yeah. Natalia and Igor had been visiting an empty grave for about nine years. And I am sorry, you know, in closing, 
I am sorry that I only mentioned basically one victim of the grave robbing, the desecration, and all the torment that was happened towards the grave of this young girl named Olga. Um, But that was the literal only case and victim that was listed in any resource. Otherwise, I would list and try and give some kind of attribute to all the other victims. But basically, this was the story of the sicko Anatoly Moskvin. My God, dude. <laughs> like, I, I definitely knew what case you were talking about when you started this, but oh my God. That will never get easier. Ever. Uh, it's, um, obviously necrophilia is like an absolute no, but there's something some, about it, like it, still yeah. dealing with dead bodies and the whole like I don't care if you don't sexually abuse them you're still abusing them. Yeah. So what is that called? Abuse. To the dead. There's a term. I mm. guess. I'm tired. It's okay. Anyways. <sighs> It's all fucked up. We're all fucked up, and it's all fucked up. Yeah, dude. Thanks for that. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You did a good job saying it, but oh my god. I'm gonna have nightmares now, especially after that video. Like, don't watch that unless you're, like, blackout drunk and you'll forget it. Because, like, oh my god. It looks like all trash, and then when you look and you see that that's not trash, that's a that video makes it easy to understand why people at first think it's like debris or it's trash and not a body. Cause, oh my God. It's never a body. I mean, it's it's not always a body, but it's not never a body. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Anyways, I need okay. To try. Bye. I love y'all. I need to try to go to sleep. Like, uh, plug follow, us at R A R W podcast, yeah. and then Red Rum and Red Wine podcast at Gmail dot com. I'm sorry. It's did like I get it right? Here. Yeah, yeah, you did. You did. Yeah. Sorry. It's past. We. It's not a day recording. It's a night recording. I haven't done these in a long time, and I'm tired. It's past my bedtime. Good night. Good night.